Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a legendary member of a legendary band, Colin Bloodstone, is our very special guest. And you know his work from, of course, the Zombies. And uh, after all of these years, uh, still people are hungry for for zombie music. And by the way, zombies before zombies were cool were uh, were musicians, and and they made the word zombie cool and and everything else. But now it's it's all over the Walking Dead and all of that. You have uh, you have zombies everywhere. But these guys didn't create it from that. These guys created it on their own. Uh, absolutely terrific. Colin, how are you? I'm very well, Frank. Thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And um, looking forward to hopefully getting back to playing live with the zombies. Uh, we've got a, a special date coming up, and um, we're going back to Abbey Road, where we were working in the late 60s, and we're going to send out a, a live online show from Studio 2 in Abbey Road on September the 18th. So I'm really looking forward to playing live again. Yeah, that it, so many people are, are looking forward to this and, and follow this. And, of course, the legendary Abbey Road Studios. Who was your producer? It wasn't George Martin, was it? No, no. Uh, when we worked, uh, when the zombies worked at Abbey Road, really it was Rod Argent and Chris White. We didn't have a producer it was two of the guys in the band. But always remembering that we worked with the wonderful um, Abbey Road engineers, and we were lucky enough to have Jeff Emmerich and ah. Peter Vince working on the album that we recorded at Abbey Road, which was called Odyssey and Oracle. And they were, they were wonderful engineers, so, so knowledgeable and so supportive and sensitive. They were, they were really great to work with. It, you know, this is a rhetorical question, of course, because uh, you, you've got to love all the accolades. But uh, being rock and roll Hall of Famers and I, I guess all kinds of Hall of Famers, uh, it, you know, not only uh, does that come with longevity, but it, it becomes it, it comes with the quality of work and the body of work that you've put together early on. Uh, you, you've got to look back. You have to be very proud of this band and, and the work that you did as a unit and as an individual. I, I just have to believe that it's, it's, uh, it's been a very proud career. Well, I, you know, when we, when we do look back, um, I, I think it is great that we, we're, we're, we're getting recognition now that in some ways we didn't get at the time. It's a rather strange story because when we finished our last album, Odyssey and Oracle, pretty much uh, as soon as we finished it, the band... The band split, and we all got involved in different projects. And so we didn't really get the acknowledgement that we hoped for at the time. But, but 50 years later, we are getting that, that recognition, and it's absolutely brilliant to realize that the work we were doing uh, in Abbey Road in 1967, you know, that it had some value, and that people, especially our, our peer group, m musicians today, um, listen to that album and can can see that uh, there was some there was some value to what we were doing well uh, you you're, you're very modest uh, you're very modest tremendous value and and hits galore and uh, one of the most successful bands and 
uh, and, and very hard to uh, you know even imagine it going any better other than the fact if you didn't break up right as as the album was uh, released or uh, kind of go your separate ways would have been interesting to know can you imagine what your life would have been like now if you had the success or the hits that you had then uh, now with the paparazzi and the 24-hour news cycle I, you know, I imagine it would have been a very difficult time to uh, to live in, and and in some ways, you were blessed by timing, uh, by by not having, I guess, that loss of privacy. Uh, and you know, I know you're recognized, and your peers recognize you, and the fans recognize you, but you know, well before MTV and well before uh, any kind of twenty four hour news cycle or social media, it, it probably would have been a difficult time to live during. I think it could have been absolutely. Um, I think sometimes when we traveled around the world, any British band got a fair amount of attention because they dressed differently. And, of course, the long hair um, would always get you a degree of attention, but it's nothing like it is now. I think think it must be very difficult for young uh, performers when they get success now. It is it's very full on, I think, and it must be difficult to cope with it. Um, uh, but uh, you know, of course, now we're older, and and uh, I, I think it's it's a lot easier for us. Any attention that we get, you know, we think of it very much as uh, as, as part of the job. You know, it's it's fantastic, and uh, I really appreciate it when we're recognised or when people want to talk to us. That that is fantastic. But I mean, getting back to the zombies. In the late 60s, talk about timing. We we decided it was time to split. And about, I think it was a year later, Time of the Season, one of the tracks from our last album, went to number one in Cashbox and number two in Billboard, I think. Yeah. And there was no band. We were all involved in various projects. There's no way we could get back together again. So in some ways, our timing might have been a little bit off right, right at the end of, of our career together. Um, I'm sometimes curious uh, to think about what we might have done if we'd stayed together. I mean, we'll never know, but uh, I just wonder what, what our follow-up to what is in Oracle might have been like if, if the band hadn't ended when it did. Colin Blundstone, everyone, is the voice you're hearing. If you're just joining us, or if you're just turning on your radios a little late, Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, we're here with Colin uh, Legendary. Uh, artist uh, with a legendary band, and they're coming up on September 18th, a, uh, a very unique um, anniversary, and, and uh, we can't wait to see what happens there. But Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Colin Blundstone is here with me, Frank McKay. Uh, let me go go back to that. Was there a, was there an effort to get together, especially when the song became a number one on Cashbox, uh, Cashbox and I, I think it was number two on on Billboard, and you know, if the band was together, it would have it would have been number one for weeks. Um, the the way it was, if you had a chance to play and whatever, was there an effort, or or was it uh, was it just known that it was just too too far fetched? Everybody's doing all kinds of different things, and you know, this one's in the states, this one's there, this one's on tour. Um, was there some kind of effort to get you guys together? Well, uh, there were promoters that offered. You know, very large amounts of money for us to get back together again. But we were committed to other projects, so it was just impossible. Um, it's a nice thought that there was a demand for us, but there was never a conversation 
between the band. And, and it was never mentioned once that we could possibly get back together again. So I said, we, we were just committed to other projects. And, and it, it was just unfortunate, but that's the way it was. You know, I, I've had you on, and, and it was just an honor to talk to you, and it, as it is now, and I've had Rod Argent on, and just, uh, it, you know, I'm amazed by the, the modesty of both of you. You don't know how many musicians and, and prominent uh, musicians I've had on that, that list you as uh, as an influence, and I'm sure over the years that people have said to you, I mean, probably legends in their, their own right have come up to you and said, hey, you know, your, your music meant a lot to me, uh, and, you know, I imagine you got that your whole, uh, whole career. Uh, does anybody stand out uh, especially that came up to you and, and truly appreciated what you did to kind of lay the foundation for them? Uh, well, I can I think of two or three names immediately. Um, in America, it would be Tom Petty, who yeah. always said that we were very influential in, in his early years as a musician, and he was a huge supporter of us as well. Um, we were on his radio show. He used to come and see us play live. Um, wonderful supporter of the band. Uh, in the UK, Paul Weller is a huge supporter of, of the Zombies. He always names Odyssey and Oracle as his favorite album. And if he's talking to anyone about music and they haven't heard Odyssey and Oracle, if he can find a record shop, he'll go into the record shop and buy them a copy on the spot. And of course, wonderful Susanna Hoff as well uh, often talks about the Zombies. And in fact, she gave the speech at uh, uh, the induction of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a wonderful, wonderful speech. And uh, it was a, a magical moment for me to listen to her. She speaks so well. And to, to listen to her um, introducing us at, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So there are three names that come to me straight away. Tom Petty, Paul Weller in the UK, and Susanna Hoff. Three fabulous artists that have been very supportive of the zombies. I'm so glad you, you acknowledged that about Susanna Hoffs uh, from the Bengals. Uh, she did a wonderful job uh, introducing you guys and uh, uh, part of that introduction. And, and I really, I, I think it, in some ways it went unnoticed because there's so many other things happening. But really, she did a wonderful job. Very, uh, very eloquent. She's, she's so eloquent when she speaks. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. To, especially if you're a musician, you're used to being on a stage with music. It's different when you're, you're just speaking on your own in front of 17,000 people. And, of course, it was televised as well. And I, I thought her speech was so eloquent, and I was just mesmerized because I, I was sitting in the audience when she was talking, and I, I was absolutely mesmerized. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Colin Blundstone is the voice that you're hearing. Colin Blundstone of the Zombies and the legendary group and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Colin Blundstone here with me, Frank McKay. Also, uh, you know, 17,000 people, but keep in mind how many prominent people are in that, uh, in that uh, audience, how many celebrities she's speaking in front of and, and the journalists that were there. And, and you know, it could be a very judgmental crowd, but what a, what a job. If, if people, if you haven't seen Susanna Hoffs from, uh, from the Bengals uh, induct uh, the zombies into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You have to watch it. She was absolutely wonderful, just absolutely great. Well, uh, let me uh, yeah, let me ask you this: what what about 
some of the folks that you were influenced by. I'm sure you've had the opportunity to to meet just about everybody that was your contemporary or anybody that that was, you know, of course, alive um, that um, that you got to meet afterwards. Was there anybody that you met that you've ever said to, hey, look, you know, you made a, a big impression on me as a, you know, as a young man or as a child, a teenager, whatever. And uh, is there anything that stands out there? Because I imagine you, you had to have met so many of these folks. Well, it, you know, it's funny, but um, I think the people that really influenced me in my early career were the American greats of rock and roll. And I haven't really met any of them. And for obvious reasons, I won't now. When I right. think of Elvis and Little Richard, um, Chuck Berry, uh, these are the people that really made me fall in love with rock and roll. And they were, they were just gods to me. But of course, they were 3,000 miles away in America. So there was very little opportunity for me to meet them. And when we came over in the 60s, I'm afraid we, we, we never got. We went to Elvis's house. We were doing an interview when we were in Memphis. And the DJ said to us, and I was just amazed. He said, look, uh, do you want to go around and see Elvis afterwards? And we said, yeah, yeah absolutely. And so... We went to Graceland with this DJ. I, I can't remember his name, unfortunately. There was uh, no um, no protection there at all, it, no security. We just, well, opened the gates and walked up that long drive and knocked on the front door. And unfortunately, his father came to the door and he said, uh, oh, you're the zombies. Uh, Elvis would love to meet you. But unfortunately, he's filming in Hawaii at the moment. So we got very close and his father was was very gracious and he said you know if you just want to have a walk around just make yourself at home but you know sadly elvis isn't here so we we nearly met elvis but i didn't meet any of the uh, any of the other greats that influenced me and I, I think after that there would have been um ricky nelson buddy holly again two guys i never met and then, of course, there was the British uh, explosion or invasion or however you want to put it when the Beatles happened. And then everything changed. And, uh, of course, we were all looking towards what they were doing. And I've been backstage at a Beatles concert and I'd said hello as they walked past. But that's about as close as it's got. <laughs> but, I mean, the Beatles changed everything. You know, there was no great demand for British bands around the world before the Beatles. And they opened the door for all the British bands after 1963, there was just a huge demand for British bands. And, and we, we were very fortunate that uh, we had a hit single in uh, 1964. In the UK, it was in the summer. And in the, U in the States, it was closer to Christmas. But we were there at that time. And the Beatles opened the door for us to become uh, a, a touring band that could be accepted all around the world. You know, it's interesting. I, you bring that up in, in 1964, in February of, of 64, when the Ed Sullivan show um, uh, was was upon us, and this was a couple years before I was born. But when so many musicians and so many actors and entertainers have pointed out to me that sitting in front of the TV set here in the states, watching the Ed Sullivan show, uh, that that's what made them buy the guitar or buy the drumsticks or, or get the drum set or beg their parents for a microphone or, or an amplifier or something or, along those lines. But it was that moment, and it was that watershed moment here in the States. Was there such a, a moment 
for for folks like you and and obviously it had it wouldn't probably have had anything to do with the Beatles uh, because they're contemporaries of you even though they kind of broke broke the door there but it started was there a watershed moment in in Britain that was similar to what happened with the Beatles with Ed Sullivan well possibly I think um, I, I I was a, a big fan as I as I already said of, of the American greats of rock and roll. Um, I taught my parents into buying me a guitar. It was a, a big commitment for them at the time. So I had a guitar. And then this is how it happened for me anyway. Um, we were, it always makes me laugh because at my school we had to sit in alphabetical order. So I, was, I had to sit next to a guy whose name ended in A. His name was Paul Arnold. And he lived in the next street to a guy called Rod Argent. Wow. And Rod Argent wanted to put a band together. And he asked his neighbor, Paul Arnold, if he wanted to join this band because he was making a, a, an electric bass in woodwork. He'd never played one, but he was making one. And that got him in the band. And because I sat next to Paul Arnold in school, he just said to me, you've got a guitar, haven't you? And I said, yeah, yeah, I've got a guitar. And he said, do you want to be in a band? And that was my audition for the zombies. So that's how I started in a band, pretty much because I sat in alphabetical order at school. And that was in 1961. And, uh, you know, we were influenced by Cliff Richard in, the, in this country and by the Ventures, uh, the Shadows in this country. And we used to do some instrumentals as well as rock and roll tunes. And I, I played guitar in the band in the early days. And then... Later on, I just became the lead singer. But of course, everything changed when the Beatles hit in 63, although we were always a keyboard-based band who featured harmonies. The Beatles made harmonies fashionable, and of course the Beach Boys did as well, but I'm just thinking about UK bands. Um, and and we, were, we were there, we were ready with our harmonies. We were always, uh, we were always singing in three-part harmony. But the thing that made us different was that we were a keyboard-based band and there weren't very many of those bands around and it it gave us a unique sound um so we were we were very fortunate we were in the right place at the right time well listen and, and fortunately for us uh i'm in the right place for the right time uh with colin blundstone and once again i have the honor of speaking to him uh it, just a wonderful uh wonderful vocalist and a musician and everything uh with uh, the Zombies, he's uh, best known for The Zombies, but uh, over the years has just done w wonderful work. And uh, coming up on a, uh, uh, on a very special anniversary, uh, September 18th, and they'll be at Abbey Road Studio, uh, Studio B, I believe you said. And uh, if you can, and we've got a couple moments left, Colin, could you uh, just, uh, just remind us what could be happening on, on the 18th and what, what, could we, what could you share with us, first of all? And, uh, and, and what should we do as far as uh, preparing to see that? Well, I, I think, um, first of all, we'll be playing the hits that you associate with the zombies. We'll be playing some, some deep cuts, some B-sides and uh, album cuts. But we'll be playing five brand-new songs as well. And three of those five songs we'll be performing with a, a string quartet, which is not something that we do um, all that often. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's going to be really, really exciting. If you go to thezombiesmusic.com, uh, all the details will be on there. It's, it's our world tour in one night. 
So people will be seeing this show all around the world. And if you just go to the Zombies Music, um, it, it, that will lead you to how to get the tickets. Uh, listen, congratulations on just an amazing career. Uh, not often do I say uh, I'm speaking to a legend and, and a legend that is part of a bigger legend as in the Zombies. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Colin Blundstone, I want to thank you very much. Can you give that website one more time and, and, and yeah, again? It's the Zombies Music, or you could try the zombies.veeps, V-E-E-P-S, dot com. The zombies.veeps.com. Both of those websites will give you information about our world tour in one night on September the 18th, playing live from Abbey Road. Colin, thank you very much for being here. Congratulations, and we can't wait to September 18th. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Frank. Thank you for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed having our chat. Brilliant. Colin Blundstone, everyone, has been our very special guest. And September 18th, go to the Zombies website and, uh, and, and check it out. And please check them out on September 18th. Uh, their world tour all in one night. Frank McKay signing off. Colin Blundstone, once again, from the Zombies, has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. <laughs>